Next hour, we're going to be having some fun. Edutainment is edutainment. It's the tainment part. Well, that was pretty edutaining with um, with Brett and his Kama Sutra. Uh, we might be talking a bit about that later because we're talking about staying at home. Oh, that was a good segue, wasn't it? Anyway, as I said earlier, this um, time of COVID is also a time of difficulty for some people. We well know it, and that can be around grieving. Uh, CEO of uh, the Gr- Centre for Grief and Bereavement is... Uh, Chris Hall, and Chris is on the line. Uh, Chris, hello. Hi, Dr. Sunny. How are you? I'm extremely well, thanks, Chris. And I think last time uh, we talked to you some years back, you had to race off because you, you were in a, f- a fire emergency at your home, and I remember that very clearly, and I hope your home survived. I am safe and sound, and, yes, I remember that very clearly as well. It was just after the Black Saturday fires, and uh, Absolutely. I was living up in the hills and um, had to make a um, quite a fast exit from your studio, Absolutely. I recall. Yes, we were worried about you. Now, um, I, the reason I wanted to talk to you was you've actually got a fabulous webinar happening uh, on Tuesday, I believe, the 21st of April, which is Why Do Funerals Matter? It really caught my eye because I thought, let's talk about the impact that COVID is having on people and their ability to grieve. Mm. Well, I think COVID-19 has really brought into sharp relief questions around death and mortality and and as we witness the kind of horrendous um, scale of death in particularly other parts of the world, um, mm. that and also the restrictions, are, current restrictions around funerals and participation uh, is, you know, for many people very challenging. But I often say that I think in many ways when we talk about death and dying and grief and bereavement and funerals, we, it's kind of like we were in the sex education movement in the 60s. You know, this is something we tend not to talk about. It's mm. private or... It evokes anxiety and embarrassment for um, for people. But I think one of the really important things about funerals is it really does help the bereaved person to to mourn, to to engage with that experience of grief, and to and to re- receive support for other people. But I think funerals also help the deceased in advance of the death. Um, it's important that people aren't forgotten. A funeral is a statement that you, know, you matter to us. And um, I think for me. A, in a sense, a good funeral is one where you come away with a real sense of who that person was. You're surrounded by people that tell stories and you, know, you get a sense of, uh, of who that person was. But Chris, but, um, yeah. what I was going to say is I, I worry that at the moment, especially with COVID, that people feel a sense of urgency to have their funeral. And yes, certainly there are some cultures who need to have the ceremonies done very close to when the person died. But for mm-hmm. those people who it's not a cultural issue... Is there a time limit on when you can have a memorial service or funeral? No, there's not. I mean, there are some practical um, uh, issues around funerals, but there's no rule or law that says the funeral has to happen two, three or four days after the death. And I think sometimes the funerals that we might see at day three might look quite different from a, a funeral we might plan for day five or six. Um, well, can I even people... go a step further and sure. say, um, I remember m- when my mother died and we had the funeral very soon after her death and it was all a bit of a daze and I don't really remember much about it. And when my father died, um, my family discussed it and we decided that we'd like to, if you will, be there at the memorial service. And we, we actually held it three months later. He was cremated. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so we held it three months later. And it was the most beautiful, dare I say, uplifting event. Yes, and I think you're right that many people are in, in such a state of shock. I mean, one of the things that funerals help us do is kind of to accept that reality that the death has happened. And that's not, that's not just a, an event, that's an unfolding process. 
So I think your experience is, is, is very, very common, that, that people will actually think often very creatively about the way they might memorialise or remember somebody mm. you know, further down the track than they might do in, you know, immediately afterwards. Um, I think the, also the idea, sometimes people have this idea that we need to get the funeral over, you know, so that we can yeah. kind of, you know, get on with life. And, you know, death ends a life, it doesn't end a relationship. And um, so a, a funeral isn't about, you know, closing the book. It's really a part of an ongoing process mm-hmm. where we move from a relationship where the person is with us physically to a relationship where they're with us in memory. And so, so I think it's... A, yeah, I was going to say, especially when someone chooses cremation, um, there's definitely no time limit on when you hold that service. Um, obviously, if there's a body to be buried um, and there is still provision to do graveside, small funerals, but it must be awfully difficult when family members can't attend. And on that note, John's on the line and he's got a query. Hello, John. Oh, good evening, Sally and, and guest. Chris uh, is his name. Look, I, I do think all these restrictions are doing more harm than good. And I do hope that we get back to normal ASAP because we don't want this awful sort of authoritarianism that we're getting from both the federal and state governments to become the new norm. We do not want that. We Mm. want to get back to normal. We want to be able to grieve, attend Mm. funerals in any Mm. number we please, and please... Can I just beg the Australian people, don't allow the government to impose its authoritarian stance on us, the people. They okay, have John, serve... well, can I comment on that? Because I'm a person who will probably die if I get COVID-19. I don't see this as... And I, he- I hear what you say. I don't see this as authoritarian. I don't even think it's political. I think it's a health edict. So what you're saying is you want the health people to back down, let us all go out, well, I'll die if that happens. And, okay, fine, we, you know, sacrifice people if, if, you, if that's what you think. But I think that we need to understand more about the virus. I hear what you're saying about mental health, and we're going to be doing a lot of support on that over the next few weeks. I thank you for your input. And, Chris, would you like to comment? Yeah, I, I think there are lots of ways we can respond to some of these limitations and restrictions. Um, uh, you know, we're hearing funeral directors, for example, that will run multiple shorter funeral services so that there can be more people present. Um, mm-hmm. I'm hearing from colleagues who, um, where the funeral's being live streamed and families are in their cars and they mm-hmm. join the, 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 the funeral procession as it goes past the home where the person lives. Yeah. And it goes, Look, I think, um, my, I think both of us, my heart aches for John and I agree with, mm-hmm. with his wish, but I think we have to be circumspect about this. This is not an authoritarian um, edict. This is a healthy Chris, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to hear more about this um, webinar you're doing on Tuesday. We'll be back after this. I'm speaking with Chris Hall, who is the CEO of the Centre for Grief and Bereavement. And Chris, the Centre for Grief and Bereavement, you run courses for people and you're doing this online um, webinar on Tuesday. Tell us a bit about it. Yeah, um, so this is a, um, a webinar on why do funerals matter? And it really um, does address the question about what's the role that funerals play in both bereavement in, in, and also in our experience of adjusting to, um, to death. So uh, the, um, the speaker has a long um, history in um, uh, training within both the funeral industry but also the community more generally. And he, like you, raised the issue that for, um, in many cultures, we, uh, we remember the, 
the bereaved, the deceased person at multiple times. It's not just the funeral that has that important role. But the important role of, of, of symbols such as um, rituals and, and, and flowers, the importance of gathering people together, bringing community together, um, as, as helping people ex- experience and walk through their grief. And um, he also talks about the importance of the presence of the body um, and that there's a somewhat of a trend for there to be no funeral. But it's the fact that, that uh, this absence of a funeral hasn't been replaced with anything else. And so in other cultures where there perhaps may not be a funeral, we often have very elaborate cultures and practices um, that uh, assist people in both accepting and, and confronting the reality of the death and being supported by um, their community in the wake of that loss. Chris, we've got some callers who, uh, who want to have a word. Hello, Carol. Hello, Carol. Um, I cannot understand that man that previously rang up before. The government have put these things in place to save our lives. Mm. I don't understand why people don't understand that. Look, Carol, he's entitled to his opinion. As you know, we're happy to put opinions to air, but um, I do agree with you. And I think also they're not politicians where they're putting up the chief health officers. And I know these people. They're my colleagues, and they will speak their mind. And uh, I, I couldn't agree more, Carol. I, um, I wish, well, I hope, John, hears what you've got to say. And, and again, it's probably people like you and me who are thanking the government for putting these things in place. And, OK, um, we don't really want to be the sacrificial lambs, do we? Yes, I do thank the government. They have done a wonderful job, Mm. each and every one of them. And also thank you to all our uh, medical advisors and health advisors. Uh, and this look, and they're listening to us and they're allowing people to have dissenting views. We're not like we're caught in some place where you're not allowed to have a dissenting view. So, Carol, thanks very much for your call. Really appreciate it. Uh, we've got Deb on the line. Hi, Deb. Uh, yes, hello there. How are both of you going? Good, thanks. Good yeah, thanks. Um, so I'd like to say my husband uh, died very suddenly last November. Oh, sorry if you lost... Thank you. And due to that, there was close to nearly a three-week wait uh, due to the autopsy, and there was um, sounds really morbid a backlog at the time at the coroner's no, court. But it was being blunt. Um, I'm very grateful for that because I wasn't ready for that process, mm. and I think we had much more time um, to lead up to giving him a really beautiful send-off. Um, it was the same as I found very important for me. I, I was interstate and, and flew back that night as soon as I got the news. And I was allowed to see him the next day. And that, yeah. again, I'm grateful for. So um, I think that that helped. Nothing really helps, but it is part of the process mm. that I am very grateful that I had that time that I'm very grateful that I could give him a wonderful send-off. And if I can just say, Sally, I think the people that are are talking about, you know, how um, it's not right this and not that, in the blink of an eye, my dad could have still been alive at 94 and he would have been threatened. There's so many people that are losing loved ones who could who can't really go see them, like, say, if it's an elderly person. So I think um, knowing compounded, terrible, want-to-die grief, that I think this is not a big art for us as a community to go, okay, 
we're still individuals, but let's do the right thing by everyone else. All the people that are that are, are cancer patients that oh, are affected yes. by, you know. And yep. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm digressing, but no. I just don't, I don't understand. Like the other lady before said, and I think grief is so overwhelming. And unless you've sadly been in a position where my friends lost her husband, and recently, and I think, oh my god, she couldn't give him the the old style send off yeah. of the funeral. And I've told my our, our sons. Deb, I just, I, I just have to. I just. I'm sorry to interrupt, but if I don't go to a break, I'm going to get in all sorts of okay, bother because sorry. we'll. we'll oh, go, but no, no, don't apologise. Oh. Thank you very much. And and Chris, I don't know that we're going to have much more time. Thank you so much. I think I'm. I think I'm out of time. Chris Hall, um, grief.org.au. Find out more about the uh, do funerals matter. We'll have you back on. Back after this.